nowadays I try very hard to build consent into everything that I do with my horses because I want to have them as a willing cooperative partner. I want to feel that whenever we're doing something, we're doing it together. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is made, the Pindurup people, and to recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. I pay my respects to them and their culture and honour their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to episode five of My Horse Taught Me That, the podcast all about equine behavior, horse-human relationships and training concepts that not only help you build an amazing relationship with your horse, but with the other animals and people in your life too. I'm your host, Sarah Jackson from Equestrian Balance, and I'm an equine behavior geek. I'm going to teach you how to get the behavior that you want whilst also building the relationship that you want with your horse. Well, the doors are open, my friends. If you are keen to really dive into what makes our horses tick and how to build an amazing relationship with your horse, then this is your cue to enroll in my signature online program, Learn to Speak Horse. This fully supported eight-week program officially starts on Saturday the 2nd of September. That's only a few weeks away so if you're keen don't delay and as a gift to you my lovely listener stay tuned at the end of this episode for a special 20% discount code. No means no. Something was wrong. I could see from the tension in her face, the set of her shoulders. Are you okay? I asked. Is is everything all right? I had to put my old mare down last night, she said. She just wasn't coping, you know, these cold nights. Even with the extra rug and the extra feed, she's losing condition. And I had to make the decision. She's been with me 20 years help me start my business. The world just doesn't seem the same without her in it. I could see the tears welling up in her eyes. They were welling up in mine too. And I opened up my arms and stepped forward to give her a hug. Oh no, she said, stepping back, her eyes wide. Don't touch me. I don't like to be touched. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I said, stopping in my tracks. I just, I just didn't know. I, I was just trying to help me feel better. Yeah, I know, she said. Now, this exchange happened over a decade ago with a lady who kept her horses where I kept my horses. And we'd become friendly and we chatted about our various horses most days. But I'd never learned that she didn't like being touched. It was just something that had never been relevant before that exchange happened. But I'm so glad that she said something that she felt that she could say something and didn't just suffer through a hug that would actually only bring her more distress, even though I was intending to comfort her. Controlling what happens to your body is pretty fundamental. 
And touch can be a wonderful way that we can share with loved ones and show compassion and share joy. Let's face it, the reality is that for some people, the experience of being touched is really different from what is intended by the person doing the touching, as I experienced with my friend. Whilst I intended to comfort her, for her, being touched by someone else would have been overwhelmingly unpleasant. So it's not enough for our intention to be good. Both parties need to feel comfortable with any sort of touch. And that's what I want to talk about today is the consent to be touched. It's interesting. There was a widely televised instance a few years back where the then Prime Minister of Australia went to a bushfire affected area to meet with residents and two of the residents didn't want to shake his hand but the PM took their hands and shook them anyway. One, an exhausted firefighter, kept his hand in his lap and said, no, I don't really want to shake your hand. The PM grabbed his hand anyway. The other, a pregnant woman, kept her hand by her side. The PM stepped forward, reached out, took her hand and shook it. I'll link up the video if you're curious, but most people watching saw that hand grabbing when the people clearly didn't want to shake hands as a violation of their personal space and their right to control who touched their bodies. And really, like my brain just kind of explodes whenever I think about this example because I'm just like, what was he thinking? Like what good could possibly come from forcing someone to shake your hand? You know, these people were obviously already negatively disposed towards him. Making them shake hands isn't going to do anything to dissuade them of that notion. You know, it is not going to benefit that relationship in any way at all. In fact, it's probably going to just confirm their previously held beliefs. And really that behaviour of grabbing someone's hand to shake it is just so disrespectful. And that's what it comes down to, respecting each other, respecting the right of another person to control what happens to their body. It's a privilege that we have as adult humans in our Western society, that our culture as a whole generally and to a certain extent legally recognises that we have the right to control what happens to our body. It's recognised that we're all different, that our experiences are different and so our boundaries are going to be different, but that the choice is for us to determine where those boundaries are. Our no means no. This recognition can get a little bit shaky when it comes to children though, and even more uncertain when it comes to animals. I was really surprised to find that in Australia, from a legal perspective, hitting children is not considered assault if you are quote-unquote disciplining them. This just kind of blows my mind, right? Like if you were to do that to an adult, you could be charged for assault. But with a child, it's okay. And I can only hope that it's because the law is lagging behind public sentiment in this regard because I know there is a growing population of people who are choosing not to discipline their children in that way and I promise I will do a podcast on the perils of punishment and how that can really damage a relationship 
but there's a lot to it. So we'll save that for a separate podcast. We won't go down that rabbit hole right now. So for now, let's focus on those interactions where we intend to show comfort or love, but our children are not so keen. How often do we hear, give Auntie Jo a kiss goodbye, or have you got a hug for your grandpa, or words to that effect? Now, this kind of interaction is not giving the child a choice on how they can use their body to interact with another person, and it can put a lot of pressure on them to touch someone in ways that they're not comfortable with. Now, I totally get it. You know, we love Auntie Jo and we know that Auntie Jo adores our child. But for our child, Auntie Jo is an adult that they haven't seen in a year and maybe they've only spent a handful of Christmases with. And they might not be comfortable giving her a hug right now. And they may not feel that they have the option to say no. And if you're anything like me, you want your child to grow up empowered to say no. No to the drunk person who offers them a lift. No to the acquaintance who offers them drugs. No to the person that they don't want to have sex with. So we want to empower them to say no. But we also need to listen when they do say no. I recall an adult trying to make a game with my two-year-old son of putting their hat on his head and he didn't want them to do it. So... They were trying to put the hat on his head and he's pulling the hat away and, you know, this is kind of going on backwards and forwards. And then he says, no, very clearly, but she kept going, you know, to her, it was a game, but my son wasn't playing, you know, he was desperately trying to communicate that that he didn't want this to happen. And so I stepped in and I said, he said no, but unfortunately that had the opposite of the desired effect and she kind of lunged forward and triumphantly put the hat on his head at which point he pulled the hat off burst into tears really frustrated that his efforts to communicate had been disregarded that his wishes hadn't been respected his no had been ignored we'd never treat another adult like that unless perhaps we're the prime minister of australia Because we understand intrinsically that doing so would damage the trust that that person has in us to respect their wishes. It would damage our relationship and change the way that that person thought about us. But for some reason in our culture, it's socially acceptable to do that sort of thing with children. Now, I know this is a horse training podcast. The reason that I've been going on about how we treat children and giving examples of how we might be disrespecting them without even realizing is because animals are kind of even further down the ladder when it comes to having our respect in this way. And I know we all love our animals, we, we all love our children, but we're not always aware of the impact of our behavior. Often when it comes to the way that we treat our animals and our children, we're not necessarily thinking it through particularly. We're doing what's been modeled. We're doing it the way that Our parents treated us when we were small, the way that we watched our parents treat animals when we were small, the way we were taught to treat horses when we first went to riding school. This modelling is kind of what we just echo without really even thinking about it or investigating any other options. And that modelled behaviour can be really resistant to change. So even when we become aware of it and we want to do things differently, it can actually be really hard to change our behavior. I'm speaking from personal experience here. 
I accidentally told my son to go kiss his grandma goodnight yesterday. I had to rapidly correct myself and change it to how do you want to say goodnight to grandma? Let's consider the family pet, the dog or cat who lives in the house with us, shares the couch, possibly the bed. How often do we pick them up and give them a cuddle or wrap our arms around them when they're doing something else? Perhaps they're sleeping, sniffing the flowers, playing with a toy. They're cute, they're cuddly, they're nice and warm, and we want to cuddle with them. But we never gave them the opportunity to consent to that cuddle. Now, they may love cuddles as a general rule, but they may not want to cuddle right now, and we're never going to know if we don't ask. Of course, we're bigger than our cats and most dogs, and we can overpower them easily. But I know that given a choice between cuddling my cat regardless of her feelings or having my cat come running to me for a cuddle, I'm going to choose the second option every single time, even if that means there's less cuddles overall. And I think most of us would agree, we want our animals to love us back, right? I just think that most of us have never really considered giving our animals a choice in this way. when I think about this, two questions really spring to mind for me. And the first is, how can you tell if your animal is saying yes or no? We've been teaching our son to ask our cat's permission to touch them ever since he was walking really and capable of pursuing them. And we've done that by teaching him to offer his hand kind of in front of their face and to then wait and see what the cat does. And if the cats do nothing or walk away, then it's a no, thank you. And if the cats kind of come up and rub their face on his hand, then it's a yes, please, I'd like to be touched. And then he can pat them gently. And he also knows that if the cats walk away at any point, they're saying thank you, all done now, and not to pursue them further. So the cats are in control of whether the patting happens and how long it goes on for. So he's been doing this for a while, but he's only two. So we still coach him through any interactions that he has with the cats, but he really has learned to respect their no and he doesn't pursue them if they say no. But what's an unexpected bonus of doing this is that if we're walking down the street and there's a strange dog, I can say, oh no, that dog says no, thank you. And he won't attempt to pat the dog. And then that really easy way for me to then keep both him and the dog safe. And I'm just so glad that, you know, he's going to grow up with this fundamental understanding that all beings have a right to say no to his touch in the same way that he has the right to say no to someone else's touch. Now, the second question that comes to mind is how do I honour their no and keep them safe? So I get that there's a line here, right? As guardians of animals and children, we have a responsibility for their health and welfare. And that means that there's going to be occasions where we need to insist on medical procedures or medications. And then there's going to be days when the wheels just fall off the wagon and Things just have to get done and whilst we can make it as fun and pleasurable as possible, our children or our animals are not going to have a say in what happens. 
I'm not talking about those days. I'm talking about the normal everyday interactions that you have with your children, your pets, your horses. Now, horses are probably even further down the ladder than our pets when it comes to being asked for their consent to having anything done to them. They're probably somewhere between pets and livestock. I recall a time when I was at Pony Club and the instructor that I had was saying she expected to have full access to her horse's body at any time, any place on their body, whenever she wanted. She expected to have no reaction at all from the horse other than, you know, to willingly let her touch them. And I remember at the time just kind of thinking that there was something about that that just felt a little bit off. And I probably couldn't articulate it at the time, but I knew that there was something about what she was saying that I didn't agree with. Nowadays, I try very hard to build consent into everything that I do with my horses because I want to have them as a willing cooperative partner. I want to feel that whenever we're doing something, we're doing it together, that I'm not doing something to them that we're, you know, we're grooming together or we're walking together. Even if I'm doing something like cleaning a wound, we're doing it together because my horse has a role in that process. They're not passively standing there allowing me to do the thing. They are engaging with me and they have a role. And so if, for example, I'm cleaning a wound, their role is to indicate when they're ready for me to do the next bit of cleaning. And once I experienced that kind of interaction with my horse, that kind of cooperation where we're doing something together, there's no going back, really. I couldn't bring myself to kind of force anything on them anymore and to do things to them. I think partly because I feel that that would be very disrespectful now that I've kind of seen what it can be and partly because having experienced doing it cooperatively is so much more fulfilling, it's so much more pleasurable, it's so much more rewarding in terms of the relationship that develops and you're having a conversation with your horse. You're not just doing something to them. And for me, there's just no going back from that. That is the ultimate in terms of having an amazing relationship with my horse and respecting them for the amazing, unique individuals that they are. Nowadays, I understand a lot of horse body language and behaviour and so I'm able to ask the question, can I touch you and really understand the answer. Now, when I do this at the beginning, when I first greet my horse, I call it a check-in and it's actually something that I spend quite a bit of time with my online students, helping them to perfect with their horses. But essentially, it's very similar to what I get my son to do with a cat. So I'll offer my hand to the horse, but I won't touch the horse. I'll let the horse make that first contact with me. Now, if they don't reach forward and touch your hand, then that's a no thank you. And we need to honour that no. It's not a forever no. You can come back a couple of minutes later and try again. But it's really important for your relationship to honour that no. But when they do reach forward and make that contact, that's like the door starts to open for us to have a conversation. 
that's not a green light that anything goes. It's the beginning of a conversation. And then I'm, you know, I'm able to touch them, but I'm really watching their body language and I'm looking out for something called calming signals. Now, I promise I will do another podcast on calming signals, but essentially that's like the most subtle no that our horse could possibly give. Now, most of us are probably familiar with some of the big scary ways that horses can say no, but it's much safer for us and much better for our relationship if we can respond when our horse is like whispering the no. And so the calming signals are what we want to look out for. They're that whispered no that we want to try and pay attention to. One of the common ways that a horse will whisper a no or one very common calming signal is that the horse will turn their head and neck away. And when we see this, they're not saying hell no and they're not saying a forever no. They're just saying, oh, that's a bit much. Can we slow down? I need a bit of space. Can we try doing this a little bit differently, please? Can I have a short break? So if I'm patting or scratching on a horse and I notice a head turn or any other calming signal, I'm going to pause what I'm doing and probably try somewhere different on their body and see what happens. See if I can find a spot that they're going to enjoy. And the other thing I like to do is something called a consent check. And so let's imagine I'm, you know, scratching my horse or grooming my horse and I'm just not quite sure whether they're enjoying it right now. Then I can just take my hand away, just kind of wear my hands on their body, just raise it slightly away from their body and just pause and wait and see what happens. Now, if they kind of lean their body back into my hand and they kind of follow my hand and press their body into my hand, then you can be pretty sure that they're enjoying that touch and they like more of it. If they don't, then maybe they've had enough of that spot and we can try somewhere else. It sounds so simple and like such a really small thing to do, but honestly, giving your horse the chance to say no to your touch and honoring it when they do say no is huge for your horse and for your relationship with your horse. Their trust in you just increases and increases and, and it just is amazing for your relationship. When I was 15, I took my horse Misty up to the farrier to get some new shoes. Now he lived quite close by, so we rode up there and he was partway through the second hind foot when I noticed that she looked really wobbly and I thought, oh, she's going to lose her balance in a minute. I think she just needs to put her foot down and kind of readjust herself and then she'd be right. And I may have even said as much to the farrier, but he seemed to think that she was being naughty and kept hold of her foot. So the wobbles got a bit bigger and I could see that she was really struggling to stand. And I thought, any minute now she's going to fall. And next thing, she slammed her hoof down onto the ground in order to kind of catch herself and, and prevent herself from falling. The farrier responded by walloping her in the hindquarter with the file, at which point she leapt forward, broke both cross ties and ran. Thankfully, I had the lead rope and I went with her. But I kid you not, this farrier chased after us up this hill with the file above his head yelling and trying to get the lead rope out of my hand. So we're reversing 
as fast as we can reverse up this hill and he's kind of chasing us trying to grab the lead rope out of my hand and I thought to myself he is really going to beat her if he gets hold of this lead rope so I can't give it to him and so the pair of us just kept backing up this hill until he come down enough and gave up it's probably nearly 30 years ago that that happened and it's still etched in my memory that's how frightening it was now if my farrier had listened to my horse's no when she started to wobble to her please help I need to rebalance I need my leg for a moment all that would have happened would have been a 10 second delay while she readjusted, picked her leg up again, and they carried on. We would have avoided the violence and the fear from entering into that relationship. We would have avoided the negative associations being made between farrier and fear in her brain and my brain that happened as a result of that interaction. I think we've come a long way since then. I like to think that there's not many equine professionals around who would treat someone's horse like that. But having said that, I think most of us, including myself, are taught to hang on to that leg. Do not give that leg back when the horse wobbles or wiggles. To let them get that leg back is to let them win. And gosh, that is such a hard habit to break. But how much safer is it for us to put the hoof down early than it is to struggle with a horse who's like 10 times our body weight when we're underneath them? Like it, it just doesn't at all make sense from a safety perspective. It's such an unsafe thing to do. And of course, hanging onto that leg doesn't recognize their no. It doesn't recognize their right to have some control over their body because like I talked about it in the very first podcast, there's always a reason for their behavior. So the no isn't, I'm being naughty, so no. The no is, <laughs> I'm unbalanced. I'm uncomfortable. I need a break. It's hurting, so no. There's always a legitimate reason from the horse's point of view. So we're not giving in to their no, we're recognizing their struggle and we're helping them to cope. So instead of putting the leg down, meaning that we like lose points in some imaginary battle we have going on with our horse, it's actually a win for our relationship with our horse because honoring their no helps them to trust us. It's actually putting deposits in our relationship bank account. So whether we're witnessing a quiet whisper of a no, like a wiggle when we've got the horse's leg up or a head turn, or a big shouty no, like a bite or a buck, it's so important that we honour that no. Honouring that no by stopping what we're doing and re-evaluating the situation is only going to help build our relationship with our horse. So my challenge for you, firstly, I'd like you to have a go at a consent check. Choose a moment when you're scratching or grooming your horse and just pause for a moment. Take your hands slightly away from their body, breaking the contact and just watch 
and see what they do. Do they stay where they are? Do they move away? Or do they move into your hands, reconnecting? What they do is going to give you so much information about how they feel, about what you're doing right at that moment. Secondly, I'd really like you to watch your horse. Pay close attention to their body language and try and gauge how they're feeling when they're with you. And if you think that they're saying no, whether that's with a whisper or a shout, stop what you're doing and just take the time to reevaluate. Can you make it easier for them? Is there something that you could do differently to help them out? And do you need to pause, go slower, do less? What can you do to help turn that no into a yes? To wrap up this episode, I'd like to just reiterate the key points that we've discussed. Firstly, between adult humans, when it comes to consent to be touched, whether it's a hug or a handshake, it's not enough for intention to be good. Both parties need to be comfortable with the touch for it to be adding rather than detracting to that relationship. Secondly, touching another adult after receiving their no, whether that's explicitly stated or implied through their body language, is viewed in our culture as disrespectful. Thirdly, as a general rule, in our Western culture, children, pets and horses are afforded less and less respect when it comes to their ability to control how their bodies are touched. And lastly, giving your horse or your dog or cat or child more control over how their bodies are touched by honouring their no as much as possible in everyday situations can make huge improvements in your relationship and really build trust. Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me in what has been episode five of the My Horse Taught Me That podcast. I look forward to coming to your eardrums soon with episode six, where we will talk more about equine behavior, horse-human relationships, and training concepts that not only help you build an amazing relationship with your horse, but also with the other animals and people in your life too. If you've enjoyed this podcast or found the information valuable, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. But more importantly, don't keep it to yourself. Share this podcast with your friends and help me share it with the world by leaving a five-star rating or review. It really helps other people to find the podcast too. It took me decades to learn that having the bond and relationship I dreamt of with my horses would only happen once I understood what they truly needed and learned to read the nuances of their body language, interpret it correctly and respond to it so that they felt understood. I would be honoured to share what I've learned with you through my online program, Learn to Speak Horse. As a listener of this podcast, I invite you to use the code MHT MT20 at checkout for a 20% discount 
which is valid until midnight on Tuesday the 22nd of August 2023 Australian Western Standard Time. That's just one week. So if this sounds like the solution you have been waiting for, don't wait around. Get your sweet self into the Learn to Speak Horse program and transform your relationship with your horse. Head on over to www.equestrianbalance.com.au forward slash services and follow the link for the Learn to Speak Horse program. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Once again, that discount code MHTMT20. So just think, my horse taught me that. It's the first letter of every word. And then 20 for the 20% discount. Lastly, a big thank you to Music Unlimited for our groovy soundtrack.